Hey, all we need is good beer, John Deere, and John 316, Bubby. But here's the thing, though. I have to keep that accent for at least six months just to convince everybody that that's who I am and just knock off the accent and just blow everybody's mind. Now I, now, I, now I think about it. Let's start right now. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I have church. My church is pretty much about how the war people, they went to like a monk, like sanctuary, I guess you could say. And they were there, they were, big, they were digging, what are the, like the holes, mommy grass. Fox holes. Yeah, fox holes. Thank you. <coughs> and they were there and they set up shop in the church, which is like disrespectful. But even though the monks thought it was disrespectful, they still helped out the soldiers and everything. So the monks would like give them water, give them everything, give them just like shelter. They would even like clean their guns and stuff, help them clean the guns. And the monks were really respectful by like, like listening to the conversations even though they have no idea what the Americans were talking about. So my first question is, why did the monks have such respect for their conversations even though they did not understand them? I think monks in general are just humble, good people, really. Like, you're yeah. really humble. <laughs> yeah, I think to be a monk, you kind of just that like reverent, humble kind of person and there's nothing else you can really do. <laughs> Monks, monks by the Catholic Church, they, they are always moral in certain sort of ways. Even though even though they have done wrong to you, um, like the uh, like Jesus would say, love your enemies as yourself and love your neighbor as yourself. Now monks are the bald guys, right? The bald guys. Yes. Yeah, they're the ones with like the they look like. Do they talk? Are like those the like the ones that don't yeah. talk at all? They look like the Arabs. Yeah, they like Arabs because they all have to shave their heads. No, you, no, I don't think you need to shit. No, you, no, you, you, you don't. In every movie I've seen, they're bald. <laughs> In every movie I've seen, they're all bald. Yeah, you know why? Movie. Oh, you did? Yeah, I watched okay. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, it's a I don't know if it's a shotgun, but... Okay, but my next question is... Why were they helping the Americans with their guns and them, which are made for destruction, even though they're supposed to be peaceful people? That's actually good. That's a very, actually, very good question. I think them like helping out, not so much cleaning the guns, but just helping them do things that they need, show like the peace and like, I don't know, like an act of kindness. I'm not sure they understand that the gun, like, I'm not sure they understand that they're in a war and that the guns are used for killing people. I think they just think they're just doing something good, like chores or something for them. Not really understand that the guns are used for freaking destruction business. Oh, we're not gonna go back into that topic again. Okay. Or maybe the monks know how. No, they do know how guns work. Maybe they just got bored and just decided to just help out these soldiers just because they're nice. Well, I mean, the monks do have like chores, like and everything. They can med- they usually meditate and stuff a lot. But they they don't only meditate. They can cook. They can cook their own food. They can sometimes grow, even grow their own crops. Yeah, but like, why don't they do that instead of like cleaning the guns with oil, or, like very carefully and clean the barrels and stuff? Because they're going really in depth with cleaning the guns, like disassembling the guns. <laughs> Like one was cleaning an M60, which is like, which, which is an LMG. So yeah. maybe they were already done with those with those chores. 
Um, you don't have to be because right in front of the crop to let it grow. Yeah, exactly. You water like once, exactly. once or twice a day, and you just let it be. And maybe they were cooking some bread, but they just left it in there in the oven. They just left it in there in the oven just to bake it. Yeah, the sometimes they just gotta get this bread, you know. Get the muffins. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, next chapter. Okay. Okay, it was me. So for those of you, for those of you who do not know what is this chapter, the man I killed is just basically O'Brien just observing a dead man's body. Wow. That's all. That, that was. I, that was basically. I think it was. He was being blown up by a grenade. Wow. Like his, his like his entire body was completely disfigured after that. That's that's disgusting. That is. It it is it is disgusting. it is disgusting. But for some reason it gets deeper. The first question. O'Brien sees the butterfly and then it lands into the dead man's chest. What can it signify, literally and figuratively? Let's start oh. with literally first. Oh, I don't know about literally. Literally? Yes. No idea. Maybe the butterfly really? is attracted to red. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's, that's literally, I guess. Yeah, but figuratively, I would say the butterfly is like him flying out and being free, like his soul, and like being peaceful after all this time and war and hate. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Second question is. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Second question. Even though it's even though it's just another dead body in the middle of a battlefield, why would he observe the dead body? Maybe it's because he's disfigured, unlike all the other ones. Maybe the other ones just have like bullet holes in them or stuff like that. But this one is discombobulated. I guess seeing so much death and stuff like that, you really don't get phased. Like freaked out about death anymore because you've been through it so many times, so you just go up to it and just look at it like it's an object or something. I think that like this one's far especially because of what Robert said, just because it's not like everyone gets killed by getting blown up by a grenade. So it's probably like that one caught your eye instead of the one that just has like a bullet hole in in him. Yeah. You can see like almost like, like more, but you can see like, literally like everything. Yeah. Yes. So maybe he was not just like seeing that type of death. I mean, I mean, soldiers would see that a whole lot. Back in World War II, they would see a whole bunch of different types of corpses that would been blown up or shot or just outright gone or obliterated. All right, back on topic. Next, next chapter. <coughs> Lincoln. So I was the next chapter ambush. Um, it's a lot like John's chapter. It has to do with O'Brien and actually killing somebody so what happened was o'brien was taking the last watch over the night and um he was looking and he had some frag grenades in front of him and he saw one of the enemies on a trail ahead of him o'brien makes a decision where he throws a frag grenade and ends up um, blowing up the man and he ends up having a huge hole in his eye and just he was dead so but there was a uh, you know, there was probably other ways he could have dealt with the situation, and he was kind of uneasy about it after his life. So my first question is, when O'Brien sees the enemy on the trail, was there more a more better way to deal with the situation? Was there a more peaceful way? If there was, would O'Brien be more at peace with himself? Uh, a different way, yes. More peaceful way, probably no. Because you're killing the man either way. Exactly. I think in war, there's like 
you can't really trust nobody, especially if it's an enemy. So you kind of just have to do what you got to do to stay alive. Here's the thing: not all Vietnamese people were enemies, because what the Vietnam Vietnam War was basically is is basically communism against capitalism. That's what basically the uh, Vietnam War was. Yeah. So in so any Vietnamese could be good or bad, but you may ne- but you can never know in those types of situations. So the best the best thing to do is that be, be better safe than sorry. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. So my next uh, question is: If you were in O'Brien's situation, would you have killed the man, or would you would you have destroyed the enemy or let him pass? I probably would have killed the man. I would have yeah, killed I would have killed, killed, killed him either way, either by shooting him or just chugging out of the grenade, yeah. or just sneaking out and just. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Interesting. That is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you going right for the jugular? Wait, what? You going for the jugular? What's the jugular? Never mind, Tom. Back to topic. Jonathan's a great piece. You guys are weird. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. All right, John. Good. I, uh, in a good way. In a good way. All right, so I have chapter style, and in this one, like, the soldiers in their group, they go, and they, like, blow up a little town. So it's like burning everything they walk through. And this see this like 14-year-old girl just dancing in like the ashes and stuff. And she's like covering her ears and just like doing some weird dance. And everyone's like asking what she's doing. And they like later find her house and her family's dead. It was like the mom was dead, a little infant was dead. But she was smiling, looking happy. And then like towards the end, um, Dobbin started dancing like her to mock her. And then, or no, Azar was dancing, and then Dobbin came in and like picked him up and had him over a well and was like, "Do you want to get dumped in?" And he's like, "No." And he's like, "Start dancing right." So that's interesting. But my question is, at the end of the chapter, Dobbin picks up Azar and held him over the well and asked him if he wanted to be dumped in. Why do you think he said that? Uh, maybe. I think uh, I think he got mad from uh, pure, mar- pure from mockery. Mocking, yeah, he probably got mad from that. Uh, just the disrespect he maybe had. Some, you know, you don't know how much that dance meant or whatever meant to that one person. Mm-hmm. Anything, John? No, I I agree with um, both Lincoln and 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 Robert's point. Actually, okay. And then the second one is, why do you think the girl was dancing after her town was burned down and everything was destroyed around her, including her family? Um, I mean, it could be a ritual dance. Like, it maybe has some symbolism behind it. Like, maybe it looks like she's, like, celebrating it. But it could be, like, I guess... A passing on. A passing on, yeah. Something like that. From, from, From what I know, there could be two different situations. Either the parents are being abusive to 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 the girl, or it's just that the girl was anti-communist and the parents were communist. Good point, John. Maybe. I didn't maybe. think about that. I would say, <laughs> I would say maybe just all this destruction is just taking a like beating on her mental like mental state. She is. It's over right now. Yeah, she's just in like a different place and a different. Maybe she went crazy. Yeah, she just went crazy. Oh yeah. We're done here. We are done. Yeah, All right. Be sure done. to tune in next time when we when we count how many Pink Floyd references are there inside this book.
the end. Oh.